Hello, Ecclesia. This is Pastor Sean. I want to welcome you and thank you for listening to our podcast, Quarantine Made Sacred. We realize that these are really difficult and uncertain times, and it's our prayer that you are experiencing God in new, fresh, and sacred ways. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about some resources that are available to you, mostly through our website. Um, one is our care page. If you would log on to ecclesiahouston.org care, you will find there an entire menu of ways that we are trying our best to honor God and to serve you. You can set up times, 15 minute or 30 minute slots to meet with one of our pastors. You will also find resources there about our weekend gatherings. And we really wanna encourage you to participate in those. If you are on Facebook or you have friends who are on Facebook, um, look out for those on the weekend, join one of the watch parties. It's a great way to stay connected with people outside of your home, people who you worship with and experience those together. Stick around when they're over for a chat with whoever's hosting the watch party. Um, those are fabulous ways. And if you're, if you're not on Facebook, then write on our website, ecclesiahouston.org. Our services, our gatherings will be posted there prominently and you can log on to those. And after the 11 o'clock gathering on Sunday, those are on the website for you to participate in throughout the week. So please um, get your communion elements together before we worship, uh, get in a mindset of worship and then join us, invite friends, Use your Nextdoor app if you use that kind of thing and invite people in your neighborhood to log on and to talk with you. Uh, it's our goal that even though these are unprecedented times in modern life, that God will be revealed in new and unexpected ways. And so we're glad that you've joined us. We hope that this time together is meaningful for you and for your family. God bless.
Bible is full of what's called wisdom literature. Wisdom literature in all traditions are teachings that are largely true, mostly true, but are not designed to be airtight, one-size-fits-all, unbreakable laws. Wisdom literature is good like 98% of the time. I say that because some of us might be questioning some of the Bible's wisdom literature right now. Passages like, two are better than one, or A cord of three strands is not easily broken. If you're sheltered in place with a house full of little kids who are going stir crazy, two are better than one might not ring true. Like you, I have friends all over the country experiencing adventures in home learning for the first time and trying to figure out how to hold all the new rhythms of life. One friend texted me a simple sentence yesterday. Homeschooling is not going well today. He was ready to quit. Are you already feeling the walls tightening around you? When one of my mentors retired, he was looking forward to endless days at home with his wife. Two weeks in, she told me, I married him for life, but not for lunch. We all have to admit that we are experiencing a life none of us planned and few of us ever imagined. And while we love the people around us, this, for most of us, is entirely new and there are few ways to create the distance we've become accustomed to. We love being with people, especially our people, but we also need some quiet, some space. And others of us, have way too much distance. Maybe it's singleness or the kids are grown and have moved away. Maybe you just came home from international travel and are really under quarantine. As I was sitting in my home office watching my wife crank out lesson plans the other day through our French doors, I was listening to my daughters on a group call with other Ecclesia teens And a shot of memory came to me from a passage of scripture I'd nearly forgotten. It's about Elisha and Elijah in 2 Kings 1. Some of you will remember the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was the prophet serving the northern kingdom of Israel. He worked all alone and he is rejected by almost everyone who hears him or meets him. You'll remember also that Elijah predicted a three-year drought in the land. And it actually happened. And after Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal when he called down the fire from heaven, the drought ended. Rain fell and Elijah fled from Queen Jezebel, who had vowed to kill him. At Mount Horeb, Elijah heard the voice of God tell him to anoint two kings. But that's not all that happened there. God gives Elijah so much more than that. God tells Elijah, to anoint Elisha as his co-worker. 
But in truth, God gives Elijah much more than a co-worker. He gives Elijah a companion. By now in 2 Kings, Elijah knows that his time has come. His life is just about over. And this is how 2 Kings tells the story. It says Elijah and Elisha were leaving Gilgal when the Eternal One planned to snatch up Elijah into the heavens by the power of a fierce dancing wind. Elijah says to Elisha, I ask you to remain here. The Eternal has commanded me to go all the way to Bethel. So Elisha basically says, hey, you've done enough. My time has come. I've got to go, and this is not something that you can help me with. At this moment, Elisha, there's just nothing you can do. And some of you have had that moment with your friends and loved ones, haven't you? That moment when someone you love is going through a tough time, maybe, and it feels like there's something that you want to do, but there's nothing that you can do. It's all that I I know you called and you asked what I needed. I know that you're praying for me. You've offered to cook food and watch my kids and all those things that people do when someone they know and love is in need, but there's absolutely nothing that can be done. And you know how powerless that feels, almost like you're failing someone you love. But look how Elisha responds. Elisha says to Elijah, as certain as your own life and the life of the eternal, I refuse to abandon you. That's what hit me sitting in my office chair. I refuse to abandon you. In Elisha's case, abandonment was clear. He could have just left Elijah, literally physically distancing himself. But that's only one kind of abandonment. There are lots of ways to abandon one another. Sometimes it's emotional distance. Maybe in a time when we're all feeling more stressed than we might normally, how easy is it to wall ourselves off, to keep it all pent up inside? We cut off or cut out our spouses, our parents, our friends. Some of us have been doing that, that distancing for so long, that abandoning for so long, that it's the only muscle we really know how to use, and it shows up in times like this. Or maybe in our anxiety, we lash out at our family. To tell you the truth, my greatest worry right now is that some of us are going to say something to someone we love that we can't take back, maybe to our kids. I have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. There's a lot of stuff that I can help them with in life, but I have no idea how it feels to be a 13-year-old during a pandemic. In their moments of stress and feeling caged, they might say or do something that stings or increases my anxiety Or maybe they have the same questions I have. And out of my own confusion, I hit back at them for asking a question that I can't answer for touching my sensitive spot. They have a right to have feelings. Conflating and confusing my feelings with their feelings is its own kind of parental abandonment. And what about seniors? I talk to my mom every day, answering her questions about 
how best to get groceries and making sure that her health is okay. My dad is 73. He's not in the best shape of his life and he's guarding over three little girls. Ecclesia, I pray for our seniors and want to make sure that they aren't abandoned. To discard those who have come before us is surely a devastating abandonment, a kind of trap we surely set for our future selves. Elisha says, As certain as your own life and the life of the eternal, I refuse to abandon you. What does it look like right now for you to be the kind of person who refuses to abandon those God has given you? To be with and for them in their anxiety and uncertainty. To walk with them when neither of you is at your best? As the world around you is contracting and demanding new skills, what if one of those was a deeper engagement? And the picture of refusal to abandon that we have been given in Scripture is and has always been the table. It's why we celebrate communion each week, to remind ourselves that we are with and for one another, that we commune together. At our best and at our worst, we don't abandon each other. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he closed the space between him and others. Jesus broke bread with disciples who didn't get it, who were constantly failing, and who would deny and betray him. Did you know that at every meal with Jesus in the Gospels, the Lord extends welcome or forgiveness? No matter what happens, Jesus refuses to leave. He never checks out. He refuses to abandon. So, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Wounded and forsaken, I was shattered by the Seated 
Carried to the table. 